Colorado has already captured the attention of the college football landscape due to having Deion Sanders as their head coach, and now they appear to be headed for the Big 12. An NFL player was suspended for gambling. Plus, we have a great interview with Zaire Wade. It's Friday, July 28th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. Colorado is making moves to leave the Pac-12 for the Big 12. Joining me now to discuss is front office sports reporter Amanda Kristovich. Welcome, Amanda. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to have you. So, yeah, why is Colorado making this move? Yeah, uh, one one word, money. Uh, Colorado has obviously been in the Pac-12 for over a decade, I believe, but um, will be returning, actually, to the Big 12, um, you know, more than likely because there is more media rights revenue to be had in the Big 12 than the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 has been struggling to um, sign a decent media deal, you know, Uh, and then sort of secondarily, the Pac-12 is very unstable right now because they haven't been able to sign a media deal. So Colorado is seeing a a lot of stability and a clear number of dollars from the Big 12. And that is why they're making the jump. Yeah. And is this the, uh, you know, the next domino? Does this result from USC and UCLA uh, saying that they're going to leave? Um, is, is there a clear line of causality there? I think there's a clear line of causality when it comes to the media rights deals that are in play. Um, obviously the SEC taking Texas and Oklahoma put the big 12 potentially on, you know, thin ice a couple of years ago. Um, but they have been able to add, they'll, they're adding new members this year. They, um, have a new commissioner who's extremely aggressive and, um, he signed a media rights deal at a good time. Um, so this isn't a hundred percent answering your question, but I think it's it you know expansion and media rights agreements are very much a chicken and egg situation. So I would definitely say that that's one way to look at it. But really, um, it's about the media landscape because that's what's keeping conferences either stable or or not. Yeah, and speaking of that instability. What is the deal with the Pac-12 now? It feels too early to say they are in a death spiral of they're too small to attract schools and so and schools are leaving to get better media deals. Uh, we're not at that point, right? But but we're not in a good place. Yeah, I, um, I actually just got off the phone with uh, an industry expert who used the phrase, uh, the Pac-12 is never, never land right now. Um, and that is because the conference has been trying to negotiate a deal for a year, which is a really long time. They apparently don't have any grant of rights, um, which keeps the schools together um, written down, even though technically there's been one that's agreed to according to the commissioner. Um, So 
the Pac-12, you know, and if they lose, and if they lose Colorado, um, you know, of course there have been rumors that they are interested in SDSU, for example. But um, this source tells me that SDSU is not going to replace the media value. It's not really going to help much with stability. So um, if the Pac-12 loses Colorado, it would not be surprising at all if other schools fled as well. On the Big 12's end, what's in it for them to be taking in Colorado? The commissioner has been interested in, you know, quote unquote, expanding West. Um, Colorado obviously is in a West Coast school, but they're pretty close. Um, You know, it's another TV window um, that is going to be good for them. It, it, it's a good fit for the schools that are coming in, right? Both from a regional and television perspective. Um, Colorado's got a decent, even though it's not, you know, a good football team, it's got a decent brand with Deion Sanders. Um, so that's more inventory for the Big 12. And then it also gives the Big 12 an opportunity to potentially lure a 14th member, right? Um, because they would be at 13 and they would want to be ultimately, you would want a round number, right? So um, multiple benefits, both sort of directly related to revenue and kind of indirectly related to brand power and recognition. Yeah. And yeah, the, the Dion factor, I think, is is a real one here. Amanda Kristovich, thanks so much for joining us. Sure. Elsewhere in the football world, Denver Broncos defensive end Yoma Uwazirike was suspended for at least one year for violating the league's gambling policy. He can apply for reinstatement in 365 days. His coach, Sean Payton, went on a tirade about how complicated the gambling policy is, saying, quote, if you want to know why everybody is getting busted, they're using this at the facility, referring to their phones, and this traces where you are at. It's real simple for the players. You can't bet on football, period. You can bet on the other sports, dogs, ponies, craps. You can do all that, but you can't do it while you're at the facility. So the NFL's policy around gambling is nuanced around betting on other sports, but there is a blanket ban on players betting on NFL games, and that's what Yuazarike did. According to survey data provided by covers to front office sports, 81% of people in U.S. states that allow sports betting approve of sports betting generally, and 75% think professional athletes should be allowed to bet on other sports, but only half of those people, 38%, think they should be allowed to bet on games within their sport that they are not involved in. So Yuazrique does not have public opinion on his side here. Up next, my colleague Doug Greenberg spoke to Zaire Wade, who is of course Dwayne Wade's son, but he has also had a fascinating career himself, which recently took him to the Basketball Africa League. That conversation is coming up next. All right, we are joined now by Zaire Wade, uh Zaire welcome to the program thanks man thank you yeah no it's it's great to have you here um you know you've been doing some really exciting things um but I do want to start off real quick you know just talking about uh kind of the early days of your playing career um you know you had the unique opportunity to go play uh in your high school days at Sierra Canyon um with Bronny James and you've had all this time around the the James family you know what was that whole sort of experience like being in that media circus so to speak uh that that's definitely the proper proper words to use it was a kind of a circus environment it was a lot going on a lot of cameras a lot of fans a lot of people um it definitely got us prepared i would say for what's next to come or what has came um as far as attention wise um 
I think why it surprised most people because it was a high school team versus, you know, you don't even see attention like that from a, a professional team. I remember one game we had uh, a crowd that was bigger than one of the Timberwolves games crowds was, I think. Uh, more people showed up, which was, which was crazy to me. I didn't believe it, but it happened. Uh, so just things like that, you know, that uh, and then obviously, like you said, being around a family. I mean, at that point, they just became family to me. So just trying to pick, uh, you know, Brian's Brian's head every time he came to the game, just trying to see what he had to say from the sideline and uh, any other advice he had. Well, you know, attracting more fans than the Timberwolves is not always the biggest accomplishment, let's say, maybe. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, impressive all the same. And I, I know you had a little bit of time between then, but you chose to go pro, um, you know, straight out of high school. Uh, starting in the in the G League, and um, you know, it's it's just an interesting argument to talk about now, um, or it's an interesting debate to be had now because NIL has become so prominent in college. So, you know, kind of looking back on it now, how would you sort of ev- evaluate that argument of going pro versus uh, going to college? Yeah, I think the NIL uh, is definitely crazy. Now I see all the uh, endorsements and things we bring to people. Uh, I think it goes both ways, though. I think once I hit uh, the pro scene, I, you know, I was allowed to start marketing myself, uh, partnered up with CAA. Um, so just things like that I couldn't do college at the time if I would have went. But I really just think it depends on what your goal is, you know, for yourself and life, too, personally. I think for me it was to grow and develop and uh, get to the pro scene as fast as I could. Um, whether it was G League, overseas, anything, I feel like I could have started just having pro experience under my belt uh, from 19, not most guys can say they have. Um, and then with the NIL and stuff, I mean, that, I don't want to say like, uh, I wish I would have went back because I see all the money um, that's being made. But I feel like success follows you anywhere. So if you're doing good at one place, whether it's college or uh, overseas, wherever you are across the world, I feel like you'll, you'll end up getting what you want out of that. So it's just about, fine tuning my game personally and uh just focusing on that really yeah and i mean nil is just is just shorthand for endorsements right and it's just now it's just that college athletes are allowed to do it um but i mean you have a little bit of experience in the g league um it's they're doing something there it's it's just become a very interesting league there you know it's not just the minor leagues of the nba anymore it is also just a developmental league um for players like yourself players who have gone to uh, G League Ignite, you know, what was sort of your experience uh, playing there? It was a great experience. Um, obviously, I was very fortunate to have, like, kind of veteran teammates as far as that goes, not even in age, but just experience-wise. Um, you know, obviously playing behind some great, talented guards uh, over there. I was uh, Carson, Carson Edwards, Jared Butler, AT&T, a few guys who had accomplishments on their belts, just learning from those guys, you know, uh, how to be a point guard and then off the court, how to be a pro, uh, how to approach the game, um, just showing up to practice, like like the little thing like that, like showing up early to practice um, versus 20 minutes, 30 minutes before, like whatever it is, um, showing up extra early, getting up shots before and after, uh, eating the right way, uh, all things like that. So that really helped me because I had more of a high school mindset, I would say, like coming into there. And I was playing around a lot. And then they kind of, I think by the end, you can see the maturity for sure. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and now you've taken that maturity and you've uh, you've taken it to Basketball Africa League, which I, I found really intriguing. Um, you know, I, I did a little I've done some research on it um, and I've talked to some people in the league uh, for a story I did about just the, you know, the the steps that the NBA has been taking and making basketball an international game. Um, but you've been involved in, you know, the early seasons of the Basketball Africa League, which is, you know, it's just such a cool initiative. Um, you know, what has been, you know, your experience playing playing over there? Uh, it was great. This, so I was I was able to play a lot, like upwards 20-something, upwards 30 minutes a game, which was, which was great for me to be able to just play. It's been a while since I got on the court consistently, at least for that, for that long of a, uh, you know, time out there uh, running the point guard. So, just just being out there, obviously in a different environment, new culture, um, new teammates, you know, new coach. I was definitely blessed to have Coach uh, Rasheed as, a, as my coach, just somebody I could kind of relate to as uh, he was, you know, a former player son as well. Um, so just things like that, how everything falls into place that you're not expecting. Um, but, but I think the biggest thing for me was I got to really just kind of go out there and play and then uh, kind of like – just kind of re re believing myself again, like you know, because at times when either you're sitting or you're not playing, you can kind of have doubt. And I think that was the biggest thing for me, just kind of showing myself that I know I can still um, play and uh, keep this thing going. The, the only way to to get better is to play, and that that's awesome to hear. And uh, you know, is there sort of a next step? Um, you know, are you are you coming? Are you going back to the league for uh, another season uh, in in Africa? Or are you? Uh, what's what's kind of like the next step you're looking for here? Well, so we're exploring some, I would say, like some other options this summer. Uh, right now, we're in the midst of it. Uh, so my contract was set up that if all um, if all comes to, I will. I do have the option to go back to play with the Tigers, um, but if, if something else, uh, if another opportunity presents itself that we feel is better, I can. I can take that as well. Kind of like an opt-out situation um, with a two-year deal. So obviously now since the first year is done, I'm just trying to explore that opt-out part of the, of the contract to see where the opportunities may lie and go from there, you know, honestly. So maybe back there and uh, I don't know yet. You know, you mentioned uh, you got to you got to see some veteran experience um, from the G League. You, you learned from some of the veterans over there. Um, you obviously have – somebody in your life who's uh, easy to learn from about being a pro. That's your dad, uh, Dwayne. Um, is there, you know, have there been sort of some lessons you've learned from your dad about being your, being a pro, uh, treating your, treating your body right, that kind of thing? Yeah, no, for sure. I think like some, some big, big lessons for me. Um, I kind of go into the treating your body right thing first uh, because whether he had nagging injuries or even uh, mental things going on or whatever it was throughout his career, he always emphasized how important uh, off the court is just as much as on the court. Uh, so obviously, for example, with Thorne, just taking the right supplements to help you know, increase my play, um, just increase my well-being overall um, on and off the court. Just things like that are going to help you in the long run. You know, It's going to help you uh, be able to last, like we say, and that's the goal of in this game, it's just to last as long as you possibly can at whatever level. So I think that's the biggest advice he gave me is do all the extra things that maybe no one else is doing outside of, you know, just be outside of just in between the lines. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, Yeah. I mean, you know, was there any just 
fun uh, anecdotes you've had uh, with your dad just, you know, um, in the last couple of years, obviously it's been, you know, you've, you've moved around a lot um, between high school and uh, pros and now in Africa, you know, if you, as you know, being, has your dad like sort of been helping you with all that? Like, is there anything uh, you know, you can kind of talk about uh, from a fun anecdote standpoint there? Yeah. I mean, just like, just going from place to place to place. He's like, he kind of uh, compared this like a roller coaster. You know, it goes up and down. And um, I think the the best part of the roller coaster, at least for me, is kind of towards the end when you know, like, it was, when you kind of look back, like, damn, that wasn't so bad after all, and you come into the finish line, everybody's clapping for you or whatever. So I think that's what he says, just keep going. You know, sometimes it might be scary or even when it's going up, 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 and it seems like it's taking too long and then it just drops and now it's a roller coaster from there. So, I think that's something that you can't tell me not live off, uh, live live life off of. Even if it's not basketball, it's just don't get caught up too much in the uh, bad moments, and even in the good, because you know it's all a roller coaster, really. Go up and down. Is there anything else you kind of wanted to make sure you talked about while you were here? Uh, just well, just the like me me having to carve my own path. I would say and just trying to. Um, Talk about that a little bit, you know. Uh, obviously, I would have never like seen myself if you would asked me in the G League even two years ago or a year ago, like, yo, will you be playing uh, up there in Africa? Probably would have looked at you and been like, I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, so it's just a journey. Like you don't know what the next step is for real. But if you love something, you definitely chase it uh, as far as your, as far as your body will let you. All right. Well, thank you, Zaire. Uh, really appreciate having you on the program. Uh, you've been awesome. Thank you for having me. That's it for today. You may have noticed that I said in the last episode that the reigning Heisman Trophy winner would be on today. I obviously jinxed myself because that interview had to get pushed back by an episode, but I'm going to tempt fate again and say we have every intention of running that one on Monday. Either way, thanks for listening. Enjoy your weekend. We will see you next week. Bye.